Chris and Chris Talk Movies. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Chris Ferry, and of course, this is my co-host. My name is Chris Huddleston. Today, we are both very excited to be talking to you about the 1984, now cult classic horror film, Night of the Comet. Did you ever wonder what it would be like to be one of the last people on Earth? We're talking ghost town! Who would you see? There's nobody. I mean, there's nobody. Ah! What would you do? Hey, I'm sorry if the end of the world makes me a little nervous. Where would you go? The stars are up ahead! Well, get ready to find out, because the comet is coming into your orbit. The legal drinking age is now 10, but... You will need ID. Let's be real. It's the night of the comet. What do you give me if I come back? Texas. Night of the comet. I'll be taking requests from all you teenage comet zombies. The night the teenagers ruled the world. Yeah! Night of the comet. The garden of civilization is on us. Fiction, isn't it? Do you have a synopsis for us, Mr. Adelston? I do. So, uh, 1984 film, as we said. So, uh, it is directed by Tom Eberhardt. Um, after a rare comet sighting, teen sisters Regina, Catherine Mary Stewart, and Samantha Kelly Maroney find that they're among the only survivors of a zombie attack. And I, I will get to that. I don't think that's great. Uh, it's more the the comet wipes out everybody on the planet, basically, almost, except for a few. The girls partner with another survivor, Hector Robert Beltran, but as they try to avoid the zombies, they're sought by scientists who want to experiment on their bodies in the hope of finding an antidote. Dodging both the doctors and the undead, they keep moving in the hope that they can continue to stay alive. So this was a first-timer for you, right? Yeah, I don't think, I mean, I clearly had seen parts of it before because mm -hmm. I remember certain lines, but I didn't remember, like it, it felt like a first viewing for me. Okay. Um, and I loved it. I loved it. It's great. Um, it's, it's vintage, you know, probably shot in 83 if it was really mm -hmm. 84. So the music and the hairstyles and the attitude and it was, I mean, it, it just solid gold, $700,000 budget. Oh, okay. I meant to, to check on that and I, and I did not, but like 14 million. So pretty good. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like an expensive movie, but it doesn't feel like a cheap movie either. They just, the, my favorite part of it is they they have they really effectively create an empty. Is it San Diego or L.A.? It's, it's L.A. LA. Yeah, they really they talk about them being Valley girls. So it's somewhere in the Valley, I guess. It, so it really does feel like they're the last people on Earth. Um, mm -hmm. And I kind of love that. I love movies. Me too. That, that are, I know you just have to you lock off shots and and make sure there's nobody wandering around, but the effect of being absolutely alone in a big city, it like it's just great. So, um, 
Yeah. I mean, that's my hot two cents. What, what do you think? Yeah. So I had, uh, this was not one that for whatever reason I saw originally, though this would, was in my childhood wheelhouse definitely, but I didn't see it for some, for whatever reason. And at the first I watched it was a few years ago and I really liked it. And I totally agree with what you said. The, I love, um, these, you know, kind of last people on earth movies, it, it felt at times because it's some similar, um, you know, uh, things going on. The Omega man does the same thing. I don't know where, I don't remember where the Omega man was. It might've been shot in New York city. I don't know. But the same thing of just a large city, just empty is very eerie. Um, so that's really effective. I, I thought they did a very smart thing with the fact that they don't, they didn't have a lot of budget to work with. They, so the movie opens with people are very excited about this comet coming. So it's a big, it's a big party and they just kind of show the, the sky turns red and then they just cut to the next day. And there are just piles of clothes and shoes in the streets with just sand you know, and I thought that instead of trying to show people melting or exploding or whatever, that would not look great, especially probably, you know, in hindsight, wouldn't look great. But again, you just piles of clothes with sand on them is an eerie effect. And then the rest of it is just the sky is red, which again, just is eerie and ominous, you know. Yeah, no, I, the, the sand, the red dust that everybody sort of turns into who is directly exposed to the comet and, and just the they were having a block party where uh, the girl's mother was out watching it. And so we see, you know, her dress and her shoes and then just the red sand, but all of the people. So there's it, it's really creepy. Mm-hmm. It's super effective. And if you are saying, if this is not one that you've seen before and you're saying, oh, another zombie movie, because I'm someone who very much feels this way, it's very lightly a zombie movie. To be honest, I forgot that there were these sort of zombies in it and there's not many of them. Um, Zombie is kind of a misnomer. Yeah. Um, What it really is, is if you have any exposure to the comet, um, and I guess if you have any exposure to the dust itself, because the people in this, the lab didn't have any exposure to the comet directly, but they had the ventilators running or something. Right. So I don't, I don't know precisely how it works, but, uh, you know, you also are going to completely dehydrate, I guess, into red dust. It's just going to take longer. And in the meantime, you kind of lose your mind and you become this sort of psychopath zombie, quote unquote zombie. So the living soon to be dead. Um, and they look, you know, they look scary. Their faces have sort of started to come apart and their skin's sort of starting to slough off and right. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's not crazy to say zombie, but that's not, it's not a zombie movie. Right. And the movie itself really fun. I got to check their, their names again because I've already uh, forgotten them. But the two girls, Regina, who's Catherine, Catherine Mary Stewart and Samantha Kelly Maroney, who they're playing 
like 18 and 17 or 18 and 16. And the, the older sister was 25 and the younger sister was 19. Um, but it, it very much falls on the relationship of the two of them and the chemistry that they have together, which I think is great uh, for, again, a pretty low budget movie. The acting in this is, is pretty good. And the, the two of them, I remember, so, um, Catherine Mary Stewart was in the last starfighter and, you know, she's one of those, I can remember kind of one of those childhood crushes, you know, um, they're both really cute, but they, they're, they do a good acting job overall yeah. in this. I and felt. The script is pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. There's a, there's a couple of like eighties one liners that felt like they clinked uh, here and there, but for the most part, I thought, the script, you know, by by minute ten, the comet has come over, and we're we're in it. Like this, it, it doesn't waste any time, getting from one plot point to the next. Um, so it turns out that they're not alone. They go into a radio station and they broadcast, and they're picked up by these scientists in a lab who we later learn have been exposed and are in the process of dying from it. Um, and what what it turns out, and they're so they're bringing them back to the lab, but the nefarious uh, twist is that they they're finding survivors to um, bleed them to to as blood don- perpetual blood donors, so they can try and come up with some sort of a serum and save them. I mean, I guess by extension, save whoever else is, but primarily save themselves. Yeah. Uh, and I think there's some good horror movie fun in that too, as the you know the two scientists are sort of cheerfully talking about how they're gonna they find a couple of kids and how they're gonna you know basically they make the people brain dead and then they just keep them alive on a ventilator so that they can constantly be drawing blood. Mm-hmm. And there's some twists and turns. There's one scientist who we think is rogue and is the bad guy, which turns out is actually the good guy and doesn't want to go along with the plan. And there's some shoot them up eighties. They have Uzis or something at one point. Yeah. You know, so there's a fair amount of that. It's, it was just really fun. I just really enjoyed it. I thought this would be one that uh, we talked So we got together for, you know, maybe people have heard about this in, um, other episodes but we got together last weekend you had the east hampton um uh, independent film festival that you set up and one of the nights that we were together we were talking about the podcast and how i like to you know throw these horror films at you and i've gotten pretty good i think at picking the ones that i think are going to be you know and i thought oh this is going to be one that you know that chris will like um so right and they, I saw several references just kind of looking through stuff about this, uh, referring to it as a spoof, which I don't really see that. I, it, it see, it's, there's comedy in it. I mean, there are jokes and things, but this seems like a pretty earnest sci-fi horror thing. And, and I don't see, it's like they were, they were saying they're spoofing like 60s, um, sci-fi horror stuff which i didn't really see that at all and and had i seen this as a kid i would have thought this was pretty scary yeah i didn't find it 
I mean, there's there's some moments and there's some creepy stuff. I think primarily the movie, it's a horror movie, no doubt. Um, but it, it is a lot of fun. And it's a, I think it's a it would have been a fun movie to go take a date to see, you know, and it, it's it's I think there's a lot of homage and it spoof is the term that I'm kind of hung up on. Yeah, it's like. It, it takes all of those tropes and it, and it plays with them. It keeps things pretty lighthearted. The banter between the sisters and they, they find another guy, Hector, who is a sort of a third, um, you know, uh, friend they find. Um, and so the, the repertoire the repartee between the three of them is good. And they escape from the scientists, you know, at the end, they're doing a sort of a family thing where the, they, they, it's sort of Reggie is kind of mom and Hector's kind of dad and the two kids and they're taking pictures with the Polaroid. And then another survivor pulls up that turns turns out probably to have been the guy mm-hmm. whose visuals were on the, the uh, Tempest video game that Reggie is so obsessed with in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. And I like that little... You knew there was going to be a callback to that at some yeah. point, but... The younger sister is always complaining that there's never a guy for her, that her older sister, Reggie, always, you know, ends up with a guy that she likes. So this guy pulls up and and they drive off and like, okay, I'll be home by midnight, you know, and it's sort of, yeah, silly, but I don't think that the whole movie feels like a spoof of anything to me. I think it, people make horror movies and they, you know, um, they make choices about the tone that they want to land and how, how scary and how harrowing they want to make it and how funny and how lighthearted. And I feel like this one mostly comes down. Like it's the scary stuff is not the scariest stuff I've ever seen. It's uh, a PG 13, you yeah. know? So, yeah, there you go. And, and so the idea is that, you know, your parents could come and they would have a good time. Or you, if you were 13 or 14, you could go see it with your friends and there's nothing to, there's very little even in terms of gore in this. I mean, there's not a, it's pretty bloodless, honestly. And there's a scene in which uh, the younger quote unquote, younger sister, Sam goes into the bathroom and starts to undress. And then there's a zombie behind her with a knife and it's a nightmare. And she wakes up. Mm-hmm. There is that sort of obligatory eighties, like one of the pretty women starts to get undressed. It's not even a nude scene though. You know, of course she's supposed to be, you know, underage but that box yeah ticks that titillating box of evoking um sexuality in the midst of all of this death and so it's a post-apocalyptic film it's an apocalyptic film but it you know they go shopping at one point and there's some there's some uh i guess they turn it they were stock boys that now own the store and they're sort of psycho and Mm -hmm. It takes off his glasses. They've started to turn already, you know. Yeah, and it um, feels very 80s. Like it feels, mm-hmm. oh, we had to, it feels, filler might be too strong a word, but it's a sort of a detour. Yeah. That doesn't go anywhere. And anyway. Another thing with the, so you referenced the shopping. And another thing that I read that I that I don't really agree with per se is I saw a couple of references to this being their kind of satirizing Valley girl culture. And 
I don't even really, you know, it's, it's not like these girls are ditzy or they're bimbos or anything. You know what I mean? They're pretty, they're pretty smart. They're not particularly annoying or anything. And I feel like every movie last people on earth movie or show or anything at some point, everybody, you know, the people, whether it's one person or multiple people figure out, Oh, I can just take whatever I want. Did right. you ever watch the the Last Man on Earth show? Did you ever watch that? Only little bits of it. So I watched it for a little while, and it and it uh, it kind of went off the rails after after a bit for me. But there's some very funny stuff with him where he just goes and you know he has like a like a Academy Award and like you know. Michael Jordan's like jersey, you know, that actually belonged to Michael Jordan and everything. So again, that's not a valid. I don't think that's some kind of uh, necessarily um, statement that they're making about Valley Girls. That's what everybody would do. I mean, if I mean, wouldn't you like if there was nobody left on Earth, would you just be? Hey, I could just go. It's funny at the end, the guy that's the DMZ or whatever the 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 video game guy he pulls up in a Mercedes convertible and the, and the, uh, the girl says, Oh, nice car. And he goes, yeah, I have 23 others. <laughs> you know, it's just, and that's what everybody would do. I think, you know, uh, I don't know that that's the Valley so much is just sort of eighties, you know, self it's consumerism and yeah. You know, I, I, there was a movie called Valley girl, right? Like when I think of Valley girl, I think of it dialed to 11, you know, right gag me with a spoon and oh my god you know and that kind of um really pushing the accent and the blase attitude and that wasn't this just seems like any teenage girls anywhere you know it's not even like they're very smart they survive a lot at with with um and they stay pretty even keel like i'd if it was the end of the world i'd lose my mind you know i mean you'd go nuts and and uh, they are, they get upset, but the movie lets us stay. In other words, they're kind of the barometer. The, 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 you know, the audience never gets too upset because these two are more or less, they're pretty unflappable, you know? And you also have the thing of like the, uh, where it's revealed. I mean, this is just early on the movie, but they have a st- kind of an evil stepmother and their father is away in some, you know, Central America or something like that. And so they don't, they are very close, you know, and they love each other, but it's, it's not like they're really all that upset that their parents aren't around anymore because they didn't have, doesn't seem like there was a great, you know, they're more upset about other students who are no longer around. So, yeah. Um, did you recognize, so I did not because I've not really watched most of these shows, but the guy who plays Hector was on Star Trek Voyager. Um, uh, and there's a new like animated Star Trek series that he is a voice for that too. He did look familiar to me, but I didn't put that together. I don't think on I've... like 170 episodes or something like that of Star Trek Voyager, which I don't think I've ever seen before. I didn't want Voyager. Um, is that Captain Janeway? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't. So, I mean, he did look familiar to me, but I didn't put that together. Yeah. Did a good job. I mean, he, he would, 
everybody did a good job here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, again, kind of reiterating, like you said, it's a, you know, they use their budget. Well, um, the, it's a pretty, uh, you know, one of the things that for me is a, a big difference for these older movies compared to, uh, movies now and it, it's 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 sort of funny to me with our short attention spans and everything but movies in general now are just so much more complex it seems in terms of just the plots and you watch old films like this and it's just you know there's not it's you know this moves along at a good pace it's never boring or anything like that but there's there's this not a whole lot to it not in a bad way, but, uh, you know, if this were remade now, it would probably be a lot more, you know, going on probably a lot more, you know what I mean? It, it just seems like seventies and eighties movies are just, they're pretty simple and it just kind of ends, you yeah. know, um, action, you know, not, not that it's all action, but it, it you know, it's, um, plot driven. It doesn't stick around and marinate in subtext or what people are, their internal lives this one just kind of clips right along then they go to the mall and then they meet the guys and now oh, the guys are going to hurt them but oh then they get the gun and then they shoot them oh it's hector's back okay now they're now then they go to the bait <laughs> you know what i mean it's like yeah um and it, it it's it's nice in the sense that the movie just kind of trips right along i mean not that a deeper movie can't also drive itself sure and be rich and complex in lots of different ways and but considering the it's like a, it's just a fun it's a fun watch yeah this is this is one i think is a little even though like you said at the beginning it's a it's become a cult classic now but i think it's one that probably not as many people have seen it's it's kind of on that kind of a notch or two down from uh not in terms of quality but just in terms of visibility i guess yeah. compared to a lot of the you know just big um 80s movies of the time one that i definitely feel we should should watch not only not the only reason being that these titles are similar but night of the creeps is um is one that goes along with this a little bit um it's not the same story exactly but that's another one that i think you would enjoy that we ought to watch sometime but it, it's a little bit surprising to me with what you said, $700,000 budget, and it made 14 million. Yeah. It's a little surprising to me that there, as far as I know, there weren't sequels to this. And yeah. And, it, yeah. yeah. and you would say, well, what exactly would they do? But, you know, they could, you know, they could have pretty easily gotten a sequel out of this. Considering, you know, the main characters are alive. We have all the movies, you know, horror movies where the villain gets killed over and over again. Same event. Like it really could have been anything. Mm -hmm. right? you, you don't, it wouldn't even need to be like then the same people. This is what happens to them later. You could do just anything. You could have done anything. <laughs> oh yeah. And this is a good, um, you know, this is a good kind of st starter horror. Cause again, it's not going to be super scary for younger, right. You know, early teens could watch this and, and and probably enjoy it or if you have you know spouse or significant other or whatever who doesn't like horror all that much this is you know not super scary but it's fun right yeah if you have spouse if you have spouse 
if you have spouse i don't i mean i don't have a lot more to say about this one i i did have a major crush on reggie i remember that yeah i saw her i was like well i've definitely i mean last starfighter for sure Mm -hmm. i was like oh i remember her i was just madly in love with her she was one of the big ones of the time i think everybody was wasn't and the sister's cute too you know yep so um so i guess we're gonna say two thumbs up for this one yeah yeah i mean in out over i i it's if you like horror movies and you like the 80s that sweet spot between like 80 and 85 or 86 this is a it's a no-brainer like is it the best movie we've ever no that's not really the point the point is it's super fun it's right in the wheelhouse the horror is you know i think it's genuinely affecting at times like they Mm -hmm. go out and everybody's clothes that's upsetting you're just like oh no you know it puts you there and it's not like it's there's just something eerie about all the clothes being sort of draped right where they fell and the piles of this red dust blowing around. It's upsetting, you know, and it is a low rent effect, but it, it was effective. Um, and so, and it's sort of full of that. And then at it's cheesiest. It's fun because you're like, Oh, this is what they thought was, cool to say in the 80s or whatever but it's never i never felt like it was groan inducing and again they get for a a lower budget film i feel like it's all on screen you know it's shot well the music is is good we talked about the acting the acting is good so it, it never feels feels super low budget no i think i'm 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 sort of surprised that they made this movie on $700,000, but you know, yeah. really special effects. It's just location and paying the talent and a bunch of, you know, squibs and, <laughs> you know, uh, um, fake ammo. Yep. All right. So two thumbs up for night of the comet. Night of the comet, baby. Um, did you want to talk about the film festival any? Sure. Sure. It was great to see you. I'm glad you yeah. got safe. Um, we had a, I had a really good time. I did too. It was wonderful. Kind of a whirlwind event, but I think it was well received by the community, and I'm I'm very pleased with how it went. So I think I'll do it again next year. For any of you filmmakers who might be listening, the website is EastHamptonFilmFestival.com, and you can submit. Submissions are open. does the site so i had i was telling a friend about this and he was interested in watching some of the films does the site have links to for the ones that can be streamed somewhere are there links or um no but that's a good idea um of the features you can stream just say goodbye and you can stream wade wofford's the answer both of those are on amazon and Montauk 77, which is the third feature, just uh, just got a distribution deal. So you ought to be able to stream that, if not already, sometime soon. And then for the shorts, some of the shorts, uh, like if you go to the website and you look at the, you know, the director's name, just do a Google search for the name of the film. I don't, um, it's a good idea. I, I, I probably... 
should go back to the website and put links to like, Hey, and if you miss this, here's here, they've hung it on their Vimeo or whatever, and you can watch it. Here. Mm -hmm. Um, cause that that's, that's a nice idea for interested people. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm, it wasn't part of my deal with the filmmakers that I would then make it available to right anybody to be able to watch the stuff online. Some of them, it's their new films and they're trying to shop them around to other festivals. And so, yeah. Okay. But yeah, it was a great time. As I said a bunch of times, I was amazed at how you were able to put it together and how well it went and how well it was received and how many of the people who were, uh, who submitted films were local to that area of Massachusetts. That was amazing to me. Lots of, uh, lots of local talent, lots of local participation. I had a lot of help, you know, our friend Jay Johnson was invaluable. I don't, I couldn't have done this without his help. Yeah. Um, yeah, and of course, Film Freeway as a platform is, it's invaluable as a resource. It's a place where filmmakers can upload their film and submit to festivals directly. And where people running film festivals like me can accept those submissions. Um, you know, if you are setting up fees related to, you know, people submitting to your festival, you can do that all through Film Freeway. If you're selling tickets, you can do that through Film Freeway. Um, and that was something maybe, you know, I, I suppose people who are in the, uh, independent filmmaking sphere, you know, that are making films, uh, I, but I had never heard of that before. And so anybody who's listening to this, if you are somebody who is, is making films or you want to make films, so that's an avenue for you to get your, get your stuff out there. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing that I learned, I don't know how long it's been going on, but you can submit your film directly, for example, to Amazon Prime. Mm -hmm. There's no guarantee that they will accept it. And th there's a fair number of hoops you have to jump through. Like you have to submit it in a variety of different formats and the color needs to be, you know, there's specs that it has to meet. But um, another friend, Travis Guba, made a film and they submitted it directly to Amazon and Amazon accepted it. So you can stream it on prime. It's called taken in it's 17 long. And the other producer who's also the lead of that Ben Sharples said, you know, them doing that, he's already made more money from just having done that than he's made on any other project he's ever worked on because yeah. And I think it's a dollar ninety nine or something. It's not expensive to watch it. Mm -hmm. It might even be free. I don't know. But when people are watching something that the algorithm thinks is similar, right? It'll suggest you're like, oh, if you like that, you might like these things. And so it's just coming up in people's queue without them needing to push or advertise or anything this right. algorithm is working for it and i get the, they get you know a cent or whatever they get each viewing but for filmmakers who are trying to fund their next project or just pay back the money they've spent from their own pocket on producing their thing that's really great because that that was not always the case i i don't think you have to yeah. get a distributor to 
be a middleman and they were notoriously right yeah, difficult gatekeeper yeah there's a well and 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 you never they'd pay you the upfront um advance or whatever they said but then then they'd say oh we have all these expenses to market the film and that would never get paid back so you never get any more money from yeah. uh and there's a there's an old not very good movie called kentucky fried movie that is uh i kind of like kentucky fried movie yeah well do you remember the it's the uh it's the um the karate uh the spoof that's mm -hmm. a, where he goes to the island and there's like a death fight on the island and yeah he, he's uh it's a Bruce Lee one knockoff. Uh, he's getting a tour from the Dr. Evil or whatever the guy is. And he's taking him through his evil lair and how he's funding his whole enterprise. And he's like, opium production, white slavery, independent film district. It's a really evil. So if you can skip it. This Tough business. Yeah. Well, I thought it was interesting with, with Travis's film, which I thought was really great. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, you know, very good acting and professionally shot and everything, you know, just, just all around really high quality that he got it on Amazon because, and not to disparage other people's work or whatever, but there are been, have been some things that I tried to watch on, on Amazon that were just unwatchable. Right. You know, independent things that were just really, really bad. Right. And I just thought, wow, how does this get on Amazon? You know, so. Um, so, yeah, so it's nice that there that people like Travis and other filmmakers who were in the uh, the festival, you know, that there's that avenue that they can just submit directly to Amazon, you know, and get get other good independent stuff on there. Yeah, I. uh I did not do awards and I was having a conversation with, Oh, I didn't even think about that. The filmmakers last night. Um, and I sort of realized it, or I got real clear in my conversation with them, why I felt strongly that I didn't want to do awards. Um, it's because they were all, I really would just wanted to celebrate independent film, specifically local stuff and not have that be distracting, right? Yeah. Some films are going to be more popular with an audience than others. Some films are going to be more technically proficient than others, right? So I suppose you could have all of these different categories where you carefully stack them up against each other. And you'd be like, I think this one, the editing on this one's a little better. But really, I just wanted to be like, look, everybody's at a different place everybody's brings a different skill set to it and they're in a different place on their journey but i've selected this one because i saw something in it that i thought was going to resonate with an audience and i thought i thought giving out awards would actually detract from that little bit i think i think that's i think you went the right yeah uh, the right way with that words can be fun i don't know that i'll never do that maybe i'll produce a thing that that is a competition that there's just like people can vote in the audience or something like that like at that friday night show that you showed up the horror shorts mm -hmm. that might have been fun that was a big audience to have some way in which people could pick their favorite 
and just for a round of drinks or something. I don't know. Just my sure. money to give prizes or anything, but right. but um, laurels, right? Yeah, yeah, laurels. <laughs> but yeah, it uh, you know, and I especially with the community that you have there that's so supportive it's just going to continue to grow and grow, you know? I and know. I mean, I, yeah. the first time is always the toughest, you know? Yeah, we'll see. I think there's definitely an appetite for it. So I'm going to do it again. I'm, I learned a lot. So I think I'm going to make some little adjustments, but I'm pretty clear on what I think those adjustments are going to be. Mm-hmm. So like I'm going to do it a couple of weeks earlier. I'm not going to do it on Memorial Day again next year. I think that actually there was just too much other stuff going on. Yeah. And I don't think I'm going to do seven screenings all smashed together like that. Uh, that was just exhausting to try and navigate. Uh, and I also think that if it was spread out a little more, I might have seen people come to multiple things right like for one friday night and then the following friday night somebody might have gone to both but if it's thursday night and friday night then they're probably going to pick one or the other and that's just i don't a hunch i don't really have data on that but yeah so as possible and i'm gonna i'm gonna i think my um the screenings are going to be shorter so instead of collecting two hours worth of shorts i'm going to probably aim for an hour and focus more on the talk back or an hour and 15. Right. Just people get fatigued and you want to leave them wanting more. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it was great. I, like I said, I had a, a great time and I'm yeah. glad that I was able to make it. Yeah. Yeah. Likewise. Um, I'll tell you one, before we go, I'll tell you one last little movie again, sort of in our wheelhouse thing. I did did you see about that they re-released uh Morbius, the the Jared Leto movie? Oh. So uh people um what's that? Re-released it? They re-released it this past weekend. And it didn't it hadn't done well initially. It was like a 75 million dollar budget and it's it's brought in a little under that. So it's it's basically a flop, right? Especially, you know, for a superhero movie or a a Marvel, a Marvel movie. Um, and, but people on Twitter started these memes saying that uh, they wanted a sequel. And so that was trending on Twitter and they were, people were saying, uh, I don't know if they had different names for it, but one was uh, that it should be called uh, Morbius 2, it's Morbin time. And it even went so far as Jared Leto himself got in on the like this joke. And he did a, a little video of him like with the script, with that title and everything. So it's unclear if it was just a joke or if they really took it seriously or what. But Sony apparently took that as, hey, people are interested in this movie. And so they re-released it for the weekend. And it only brought in a couple hundred thousand dollars. I mean, it looked, (laughs) but it's like, you know, if it was, I can't imagine a studio just being like, because some people are like, well, they were probably in on the joke and they, but I can't imagine. So they released it on, re-released it on a thousand screens and it only brought in like 
$280,000 or something like that. I think it was like, you know, well, obviously like a really small amount, you know, like 300 bucks a screen or whatever. Right. So I can't imagine them going through all that trouble just to be like, Hey, we're in on the joke. We get, we get your memes or whatever. Apparently they thought that, but that I thought that was pretty funny. That, that you know, with Morbius, is he a bad guy or is he a, one of those complicated good guys? I remember the character from, and you know, somebody could probably correct, correct me on this, but I remember the character from the comics way back when, and he was a Spider-Man villain. So he was, I have at least a couple of comics with him fighting Spider-Man. And, you know, I thought it was really cool because he's a vampire. Well, in the, in the, uh, in this movie, my understanding is he's a, he's a guy with some kind of, he's dying of some terrible disease. And it's, it's, it's kind of the Hulk, I think, where it's, he's trying to cure his illness and he takes some serum or whatever. And it turns him into this, this vampire guy. But I, I think he's a good guy in the, uh, in the movie, but I, I don't know, but I, but I was actually after this happening and it's like kind of timely, I thought, Oh, maybe we could watch that next, but you can't, uh, it's like, you have to pay 20 bucks for it. It's not, you know, like if it were on HBO max or something, it's just like, Hey, let's just watch it. And yeah. maybe this will be a, so, so, watch you know, ass, so bad it's good, but I'm not paying 20 bucks to watch it. Spend 20 bucks on it. <laughs> <laughs> but I just thought it was really funny. You know, there's been some things like that where, you know, uh, people online will like um, not to get in a, a politics thing, but I don't know if you saw where the, um, at one point Trump was going to have one of his rallies and a bunch of kids uh, like K-pop fans, I guess, bought up all like bought up all the tickets. So then nobody was there. And, you know, I think that kind of stuff is really yeah. that, you know, young people are so savvy with the Internet and they can outsmart big companies. You know, So, so they basically, you know, kind of, uh, you know, did a uh, uh, kind of a prank on a big movie studio and it worked. <laughs> it seems like so it's funny. Really? So anyway. I've never even heard such a thing. I mean, how often do movies get re-released? I mean, when did it come out? It came out less than six. It just came. Yeah. I think it came out in April. Um, I think it was around, you know, the beginning of April that, it, so it's, you know, it's not been out of the theaters all that long, you know, they'll re-release the original star Wars movies or like they re-released uh, sure, when the 30th anniversary or whatever, you know? Though. Yeah. And when um, uh, whichever Avengers movie beat out avatar for uh, the number one movie of all time, then they re-released avatar to bump avatar back up to first, you know, cause it, uh, you know, made another, however many more few millions of dollars, you know, to uh so they'll do that kind of thing but a movie that didn't do well um you know unless it's something where you know it's rocky horror picture show and it's originally released and then gains a cult following but but not a couple months after it was originally released so no but i thought it was i thought it was pretty funny an avatar sequel did you see that what's that I, i think i saw a trailer for an avatar oh yeah yeah yeah, we haven't talked about that. What do, what do you think? 
I mean, is that what he's been working on for the past, what, 20 years? 15, something like that. Yeah. Good. <laughs> I mean, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the first one. I think the criticisms of it are valid as a, you know, a work of screenwriting or whatever. But I remember I went to see it in 3D because that mm -hmm. whole thing was like, uh, nobody's ever really taken this 3D thing and pushed the envelope on it. And I really, I really blew my mind. Like them flying around on those dragons in 3D was like, absolutely spectacular so yeah i mean i would i would go back to naboo or wherever the hell it was <laughs> the name of the pandora pandora sure yeah I, I will definitely watch it when it comes out and the thing that i my view on it is it's basically you can't underestimate james cameron i i would i would probably bet everything that i have <sighs> that it'll be it'll break all the records you know the thing that's weird and i was the same i'm not going to hate on avatar i mean i enjoyed it um you know seeing it in, in the theater same as you i was blown away by it and everything the thing that's weird about avatar is you know the biggest grossing movie of all time and nobody quotes it nobody Right. You know, do you see people wearing Avatar T-shirts? Nobody dresses up as Avatar characters for Halloween. You know what I mean? It's this. It was this weird cultural thing that just everybody saw it. And then nobody talks about it or, you know, you know what I mean? So there is the thing of, okay, is there a demand for this after however many years? And there's there's three more. Um, you know, he kind of worked on them all together. And I think it's, so um, it's trilogy. Now there's the first film and now he's made a trilogy. Yeah. He's made a second trilogy and, you know, they come, they're going to come out a year apart from each other, I think. Um, and that's what you kind of wonder, you know, I'm sure this next one will be huge because they'll, they're, you know, there's going to be the curiosity, you know, there's going to be the people that are like, Oh yeah, I liked that. That was good. And you know, can it, will it be this kind of transformative movie that the first one was, but then I wonder what happens with the next two. Are they, I mean, I guess we'll see. And, and like I say, I, at this point, I, I don't think you can ever count James Cameron out. I mean, you know, no, he's, um, he knows how to get, make a, a good movie an entertaining movie. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll definitely, I mean, I'll definitely go see it. Yeah. So anything else? Nope, nope. So it's um, that's about it from this end. What do we have a sense so, of what to do next time? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I guess we'll have to figure that out off. Uh, be a surprise off mic, and it will be a surprise for people the next the next time around. That's the thing. I don't even know if people, you know, will uh, uh, I'll see in the numbers where people are, you know, some uh, uh, episode that we did a long time ago, you know, had some downloads. And so I don't even know if people listen to these in order. I mean, you don't really have to, it's not like they build on each other or anything like that, but so, but if you are listening to this and you listen each week, we don't know what we're going to do next time. It'll be a surprise. So we should say that it's Chris and Chris talk movies at gmail.com. That's our handle. Um, we're on YouTube. We're on the podcast sites, like, and subscribe. That's awesome. When you do that, thank you. Leave us a comment, a suggestion, hopefully constructive, we like constructive yeah and and you know don't be a stranger exactly
Yes, we like to hear from you. Um, and so mystery roll for next week, but it'll be something fun. For sure. So unless you have anything else to add. I think that's all. We will talk to you all next week. Bye. Bye.